everybody. This is Eric Mann. You're on Voices from the Front Lines, your national movement-building show. One thing's great is when I go around the city and I meet people, there's a surprising number of people say, oh, Eric, oh, yeah, I love Voices. I listen to Voices regularly. You saw David Clennon, the actor, just the other day at the terrific, by the way, KPFK 60th Gala. I saw... Dick Price and Sharon Kyle there, and they, they listen to voices. They do such a good job, I thought we'd have them on the show. So uh, we are really happy to do the show. It is called your National Movement Building Show. And our priority today is the Left Coast Forum. And the title is called The Centrality of Race and the Urgency of Movement Building. Uh, I have a lot of things to say about the Left Coast Forum. I'll be participating in it, but I want to first let the initiators of it. Uh, there's a lot of things to say about Dick and Sharon. They're, at this point, close friends and comrades. Uh, but they're a terrific organizing team, and they put out, of course, the LA Progressive every day for the last 73 years without stop, <laughs> which is unbelievable. I mean, it feels like that someday, right? It did. Three o'clock this morning, it <laughs> felt like that. I mean, they never, I'm, we're seriously dependable, never miss a day. It's really amazing. And I've been actually reading it more and more, and I really enjoy it a lot. And okay. uh, I know, uh, and Dick's done some really excellent, by the way, uh, short stories, which we're going to have on at a, at a future time. And Sharon's a tremendous driver of energy and politics. So this is now our third version, the third round of Left Coast Forum. Jenny and I were involved the first time a lot, the second time completely, and the third time we're in. So we let's start with just the time, date, and place so we know where this is going. The objectives of today's show, I'm serious, is to get hundreds of you listening to attend the Left Coast Forum on Friday, October 11th, Saturday, October 12th, and Sunday, October 13th, a Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday at Occidental College, 1600 Campus Road, LA. And from there, I'm going to take it over to Dick and Sharon, who are going to tell you more about it and the program and what the goals and objectives are. 
Okay, so thank you, Eric. This is Sharon speaking. And so the uh, the Left Coast Forum, as, as Eric has already said, will be October 11th, 12th, and 13th at Occidental College beginning at 6 p.m. on October the 11th. So that's 6 p.m. on a Friday night. The program begins from 6 and it lasts until 9 in the evening. And then we pick it up again Saturday morning at 9.30 and we go all the way till 9 o'clock on Saturday night. And then again on Sunday morning at 9.30 and we go until 6 o'clock. And our goal is in in putting together this convening. Our goal is to provide a space for progressives in Southern California to come together face-to-face. Eric already mentioned that we publish the LA Progressive Daily. And one of the great things about that is we get to do a whole lot from our own offices. Well, we don't see a lot of people, and we're not always conscious of how many progressives there are who need a space to come together physically, not just in the virtual world, but in the actual world. So that's what the Left Coast Forum provides. One of the things it provides is an opportunity for us to actually shake hands, sit in the same room, share ideas, expand our vision for what a progressive community in Southern California can look like. Before yeah. you get to Dick, uh, Sharon, let's talk a little bit about the centrality of race because we all, the four of us, share that. For, the, the, of course, I'm talking about Channing Martinez, the co-host and producer of the show. Uh, we know that in, in L.A., historically, the word progressive, unfortunately, has identified more on the white side of the world, and blacks actually use the word more revolution or radical or movement, and we're trying to build a multiracial movement and certainly change the composition, which I think we're doing a good job of, and change the conversation. So since you've been pushing it hard, why don't you take a minute to talk to our listeners about that, and then we'll get to Dick. Okay. So uh, one of the reasons that we started the LA Progressive is because Dick and I were engaged locally in our, our local neighborhood Democratic Club. And we started to go to meetings. This is like 16 or more years ago. We started to go to meetings. We go to some meetings on the west side. We go to some meetings in central LA or south LA or on the east side. And we noticed that there were huge gaps in our coming together in terms of race. You know, I I often say that the United States, for most of its history, had state-sanctioned segregation, supported by the state and forced by the state. We don't have that anymore. Now what we have is socially-sanctioned segregation. The outcome is the same. The outcome is we have people, uh, black people, white people, Latinx, Asians, who are separated right along racial lines. And Brown v. Board of Education, the Supreme court determined that separate um, but equal is never equal. And that's what we have right now. We have a society no longer state-sanctioned, socially sanctioned segregation. We found that the Democratic Party doesn't really talk about it. But that um, stratification, both from a hierarchical up-down perspective as well as horizontally, what that does is it, um, it, it, it divides and separates the progressive movement. And I don't believe that we can have any major significant material changes in the progressive movement until we got everybody aligned together. Dick Price. Well, so so this year we're moving to Occidental College, and uh, most of the most of the events, most of the panel sessions will happen in this Johnson Hall. It's been completely upgraded in the last few years. Very IT uh, sent, uh, IT savvy. 
The cafeteria will be open the whole time, so people will be able to get coffee anytime they want. But one particular thing that's important is this is going to be during the school year, and at Occidental, most of the students, I think they're required to live on campus. So as as Sharon was talking about the the, the isolation of the races in, in progressive movements, there's also a rage, an age differential. Mm-hmm. So having students there along with us, older activists, as experienced activists, we think that it'll be a much more exciting event than it's been the last couple of years. And Channing, why don't you stay on that for a minute? You and Bridget Amaya now are working with the Strategy Center in three high schools as a team, uh, you know, taking action clubs. And we just had a meeting this morning before we came here, the four of us, and with Barbara LaHar on five, about really turning people out for this. Why don't you talk about how you're going to, what you're thinking about, about getting, in particular, high school students to come out to Occidental and what you think they'll get out of it. Well, the first thing is that the thing that we're learning about the students is that they get really excited about the demands because they're very counter-hegemonic and they tell a story of a society that they don't yet see but they can imagine. And, you know, they're still young. And so many of them, this is the first time being um, sorry, this is the first time hearing radical ideas, and they really like the ideas. And so we're going to use that same method, basically, to bring out a lot of students. We're thinking, you know, anywhere between 25 to 50 students from our three high schools from, oh, I almost said Crenshaw, we're not, um, at uh, Hawkins, Augustus Hawkins High School, Roosevelt High School, and Alchie High School. Um, And we just completed a summer program this summer with eight you know, really powerful interns that spent the summer learning a lot of theory through practice and going out into the streets and organizing in many different, you know, even, uh, uh, what's the word, unconventional areas. Like we organized at an LGBT festival. We've organized at a jazz concert. Um, and, you know, that it's, it is very much in the... the um, it is very much in the theory and practice of the strategy center to do things like that, right? Because well, to one of the five demands that got people excited. Oh, so the five demands. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, the five demands are free public transportation, no car, no uh, police on buses and trains, no police in schools, stop MTA attacks against black passengers, and no cars in LA. Cool. So I'm going to take it from there and uh, go to my. Uh, the panel that we're going to do, that's going to even try to broaden that. Uh, the first thing I want to say about what we think is important about the Left Coast Forum is we're trying to rebuild the culture from what we call listener-sponsored radio to movement-sponsored radio. Even at some of the Left Forum, was called New York City, and the Left Coast Forum, some people say, well, let's go. I heard they have a lot of good speakers. It's not to say you shouldn't come. You can go on YouTube and see a lot of good speakers. and We're not trying to have speakers. We're trying to have, I mean, Marianne Williamson is running for president of the United States. Very different when she, she was always a speaker, but now she's got a campaign going. Uh, we are going to be talking about, the strategy center is going to be talking about the five demands that we want you to support. It's an actual campaign. And we're going to be talking about the concept of a broader political perspective going into the 2020 elections and beyond. So maybe if it's okay, I'll take a few minutes on that and then come back to the three of you. So the concept of our 
plenary panel. It's at 2.30 on Saturday. So we urge, you know, we really, we're going to be there definitely Friday night, you know, definitely have people Friday night, definitely have a, a, our biggest turnout Saturday. But the first thing I want to say is we want our people to come all day Saturday, not just to come to our panel, because the, even for the, not even, especially for the young people, being exposed, and, and Sharon, I think you'll tell us about some of the panels. Maybe we'll just do the one even before ours to give an example of the breadth. Uh, we want them exposed to a lot of different ideas, a lot of different people, a lot of ways of thought. So I'm going to tell you about our panel, though it is going to be at 2.30. Please get there early. Uh, it's called How the Racial, Social, and Climate Justice Movements Can Play an Independent Role in the 2020 Presidential Election and Beyond. This, this has a history to it. Uh, a lot of people associated with the Strategy Center formed something called the Progressives and Independents to Defeat Bush. It was a pack in 2004. But the concept that we did not want to work for Kerry, but we needed to vote for Kerry in order to defeat Bush. And we tried the idea of having an independent program. It did pretty well in a way. And it got pretty, people got excited and we learned a lot about it. Sharon was saying, because we have these many discussions about the Left Coast Forum, but even after 2020, where are we going to be? That's, so this is called, what role can we play in the election and beyond? So here are some premises that I hope I wrote somewhere. Uh, uh, well, I can't find it, but luckily I know it by heart. Okay, uh, there it is. We need a broad united front to defeat Donald Trump in the 2020 elections. Right, So we are starting at the Left Coast Forum in this panel to say that the primary objective is to defeat Donald Trump in 2020, which would mean voting for a Democrat, which would mean voting for, yes, even the dreaded Joe Biden, because you have to accept that possibility, which some of us hope is not the outcome, but be clear. Then secondly, we need an independent social movement to the left of and independent of the Democratic Party to put a, a clear anti-racist, anti-imperialist climate justice program to pressure the candidates and strengthen our own movement. And then at the end of that election, with the terrible possibility, really, of Trump being reelected, given the chaos of the Democrats and the hope for a Democratic victory, then what? Barack Obama said, vote for me and then keep the pressure on and people only heard the first part, and he didn't really mean the second part, so he was very happy. You know, I mean, it sounded good, but he was very happy to vote for me and go home. And that's what happened for eight years to our grave uh, detriment. That's not going to happen again, we hope. Now, it says here, uh, the, the Democratic Party will be held on March. Oh, the primary is very important, by the way. So we're going to have this in October, but by March 3rd, there's going to be a Democratic primary, and this is going to be... The question we're going to have at our workshop, our panel, is what are we going to do in the primary? And don't just tell me you're going to work for Elizabeth, you're going to work for Bernie, you're going to work for Kamala. That's not the point. The point is what are you asking them to do, which most people don't ever think about. All right, so we have ideas. It says we will not really control who the Democrats will nominate. But how do we play a role in bringing demands on the candidates in the primaries and fighting on so many issues neither party is fighting for. For example, how can we demand progress on issues like, and I'm going to just give a couple, stop the U.S. wars against Russia and China, 
Do you even agree there should not be a war against Russia and China? Do you agree that all this Putin bashing is sickening, that the trade war with China is a war? The Democrats, I, I listen to the uh, business shows, they say the Democrats are worse in the fight against China, or they think better, than the Republicans. Trump wants to make a deal with them, even though he's pressuring them. The Democrats just seem to want to have a perpetual war with China. Why? <laughs> Because after centuries of colonialism, China actually would like to have its own economy and succeed in, in a world capitalist world. I ask you, do you want a war with Russia and China? I don't. Uh, reparations for black people for the continuing crimes of the transatlantic slave trade today as well. And I'm just going to make a couple more, the, which we'll come back to. The immediate hiring of black people for 50% of all public and private sector jobs now I'm not going to discuss that now. We're going to discuss it separately because I want to move through this. Free the U.S. 2.3 million prisoners. Shut down 800 military bases. Free safe and legal abortions for all women. This is a very important issue, and I don't think the Democratic Party is fighting nearly as high. They keep talking about choice, choice, choice. Virtually every abortion clinic is closed down. It's almost impossible in the South, in many places, to get an abortion. You got people are leaving their states. It's going to go back, and there are abortion clinics that are being picketed by lunatics, right-wing, misogynistic, racist lunatics. I don't think the Democratic Party is prioritizing women's health and women's reproductive freedom enough, and we should. And then open borders for all immigrants now. There's more. Full rights, sovereignty, and reparations for all indigenous people. But let me tell you where this is going. If you notice, this is not, I didn't say Social Security for all. I didn't say Medicare for all. This is not primarily focusing on how to get people in the United States more stuff. Not that it's okay. It's about the rights of blacks, Latinos, queer people, women, and third world people. That's the focus of the panel we're going to have, and we hope you'd like to attend. Uh, I'm going to go back to Dick and Sharon a little bit about what do you want people to do, and then maybe Channing and I and Sharon and everybody will talk about this uh, immediate hiring of black people at 50%. So back to Dick and Sharon. Where do you want to go about getting people to go? What do you want? Oh, tell people about registering and making sure they actually sign up and stuff like that. What are some of the logistical things you'd like people to do? Well, the first thing I wanted to say was I think this plan that you've laid out for the plenary and for going forward answers a real question for us progressives. I mean, we can't do like many of us did last year and sit the election out because we right. don't like the person. There's too much at stake. And yet we don't want to fall in line the way Republicans do and just go for whoever it is. We want to hold to our principles, fight for our principles, help somebody get elected and then keep the pressure on and then pull away from the conventional Democratic That's Party good. and have our our position. I think Sharon knows the URL for the the site better than I do. That's right. So um, in order to get tickets, to register, to donate, um, just to learn more, go to https colon slash slash leftcoastforum.org. That's left as opposed to right, leftcoastforum, all one word, dot O-R-G. 
And then when you get on there, since I'm one of those people who I get there, but I still can't find it. So when you get there, you'll you'll see a menu at the very top oh, of the page. You. Take your cursor, take your mouse, and roll it across the words on the top of the menu, and it'll give you. And you can click um, register. You can click buy tickets. You can click learn more. It's all there at the top menu. One thing is very important is you, you know as people produce events. The advanced sale means so much for morale. I mean, if you went on today and, you know, you could make a contribution, what's the largest, at least on the website so far? The largest contribution yeah. that's ever been made? No, well, that, that's oh. good, too. But <laughs> what it would say uh, on the different boxes it has for tickets. Oh, oh, the, oh. the, the three-day ticket, the three-day all-event pass is $75. Which, which is a great deal. Yeah. There's a $25 one-day pass. Uh, if you have trouble with any of that, contact us. You can make a donation and come for, for whatever you can afford. Right. And we've been saying to people, if you go, please do pay something. Okay, this costs well, even on a time level. So you get it. So wouldn't it be cool if on the Voices from the Frontlines listenership, we got, let's be honest, let's see, what if 25 of you out there would go on Left Coast Forum? Dot org. O-R-G. Right. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. You know, the uh, U-T-T-L-L-P-P. You can go on leftcoastforum.org and then follow the Eric Mann prompt, which is Sharon's going to tell you again. <laughs> so go up to the top. <laughs> you'll see the menu, and it says participate. Place the cursor on okay. the word participate, and you have an opportunity to p- participate in a variety of ways. They're all listed there. I'd, I'd like yeah, to p- pick up on something you said earlier please. about That's great people coming and, and just being passive consumers of information. Right. We, we're we're going to have more than 50 uh, panel sessions over the three days, and I would say 48 of the 50 or 45 of the 50 are put on by activist That's groups, right. and we, we press upon them, not that we necessarily need to, but the idea at the end of their session is, well, come on and join the ACLU. We're working on the, the Los Angeles district attorney race. Come on. Uh, we have four or five on climate change, and they all want volunteers who want to stick with it and work with it. So that's really the idea is pull all kinds of people, particularly people who maybe aren't working on these issues. They get exposed to it, and they get excited about it. They sign up. They, they, they work with you guys at the Strategy and Soul Center. I mean, that, so that, you know, we don't want people who just sit there and take notes and go home and say, wasn't that nice? We also are going to have a six or seven independent films. Oh, yeah. So we have one area that's dedicated to the showing of these movies. Producers that have produced these films, and in some cases, people who have starred in the films, after each of the film, they'll sit down and talk to the audience. And one of the films that I'm really excited about is a film called Imprisoned, which is starring Lawrence Fishburne. Huh. It's opening next week um, through, across the nation. But what I'm excited about this film is that the production house that made this film, the writer, the producer, executive producers, they intentionally hire the formerly incarcerated. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 really on fire about this idea. And half of the people that starred in the movie, they actually filmed it in a prison in Puerto Rico. And half of the people starring in the movie um, are formerly incarcerated and behind the camera, working behind the camera, and they train them. Go ahead, Dick. Yeah. In addition, we're going to have entertainment. There's going to be a blues jazz band Friday night. There's going to be spoken word artists. There's going to be various singers and so forth. And then we're going to c- conclude on, on Saturday, Sunday night with a play called Bomb 
the L.A. Times about a, an actual attempt to bomb the L.A. Times 100 years ago by the socialists, which uh, uh, Greg Pallast and, and company are going to put on. We saw it in Venice a few months ago, and it's a wonderful presentation, and it comes with the ticket. So let me go back to a couple of thoughts, and then I want to go to this demand about black hiring. Um, for those of us who consider ourselves organizers, you have no idea how much has already gone, how much Dick and Sharon have done already. Everything they're saying, I know you think they have a staff of thousands. <laughs> uh, they give the impression that they do. Um, I will sort of compliment you by complimenting myself. One of the highest compliments I ever got was somebody said to Pete Botron, the president of my local, about something. They said, you could either hire 10 people or you can hire Eric. <laughs> and I feel like... To, that's how to, Dick, that's, that's Dick. right. So I could say you could either hire 10 people or you can hire Dick. You can hire 10 people or you can hire Sharon. You can hire 10 people or you can hire Channing. And I mean it. That the issue of work ethic and productivity is so relevant to the movement. To me, it's the most important quality is work ethic, productivity, and dependability and reliability. All other things can be taught. And, you know, if people say, well, when do I go home? That's the, I never want to hear that one, you know. And we always say when the job is done. That's when you go home when the job is done. I get I send tick emails at 11 o'clock at night. I get responses at 11.03. Uh, so it's sort of a culture of people that want to do this. So we're putting a lot of – my main point is Channing, Barbara, myself, Dick, Sharon today, we're, we're going to talk about meeting every week. We're talking about getting interns. We need people if you have social media skills and if you're very talented, meaning we want somebody first with skills – Sharon would love somebody to help her. She says train them, but I think help her to start with. And we need help on getting the word out on social media. So, Sharon, if they want to reach you, how, what's your best email? Yes, it's SharonKyle00 at gmail.com. SharonKyle00 at gmail.com. And I'll spell that. S-H-A-R-O-N-K-Y-L-E-0-0 at gmail.com. And a lot of you don't have to be social media experts, but if you have your own lists, if you have your own contacts, Channing will, I'm not being cute. I mean, Channing can explain it better about different uh, arts and sciences you can do, but how each of us could be building for this event. So remember, the first thing we're saying to you is today you're going to go on... Uh, Left Coast No, form. wait, wait. I'm, I'm practicing myself. Leftcoastforum.org and go on participate... Once I'm there, I'll figure the rest out, and then I'll scroll down, and I'll find a way to actually register and buy a ticket and make a contribution, right? That's right. Let, let yes, me go, say, something, sure, say sure. something about the, the hard work. I mean, I always was a hard worker, starting at 12 on my uncle's farm. And our first date, whenever it was, 18 years ago, was on a Sunday, and she was taking a break from JPL. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and she I was going day. back to work. But doing this with the LA Progressive and the Left Coast Forum is a labor of love, a two-sided, one-sided. I mean, I, I have a 26-year-old daughter, and, and this world that we're leaving to kids that age is not good. That's right. I mean, the, the crimes we're committing at the border with, with, with immigrants, the, the way we're destroying the 
planets. We were talking earlier about two or three islands in the West Indies are, are now uninhabitable, and the rest of them have to be saying, well, that's us next. And, and it's even worse in Africa, where the, the heat right. has gotten so hot that the people can't live there. And then on the other side is there's a lot of excitement working with you guys and Barbara uh, and working with other, other, other volunteers. There's a lot of hopefulness that I didn't really feel 10 years ago. Right. You know, yes, things have gotten worse, but they've gotten better because people are trying to pull together to address some issues that badly need addressing. Well, let me speak to a couple of things. I'm going to take a couple of minutes. Is that all right? And then we'll throw it back to you. The thing Dick was saying that's really critical is if you're going to come to the Left Coast Forum, which we want you to, or I should say when you come to Left Coast Forum, come prepared to join something beyond what you're already doing. Uh, Reverend Higgins once told me, uh, you know, if you want the job done, call a, bus call a busy woman. And that is to say, the more somebody's working, the more, frankly, dependable they are. And if the person's not busy, the odds are they ain't going to do anything anyway. <laughs> so it's the same culture again. Don't say you're too busy. You're never too busy. Uh, I remember going to a, a rally. I love Cesar Chavez. You may perceive him as sweet until you meet him. There's not a sweet bone in his body. Uh, he gives a speech, and when he's finished, somebody has a question. They say, he says, there's only three questions I'll take. How do I get involved? How much money am I going to contribute? And how many grapes are you going to boycott? Those are the only three questions. Everything else is out of order. That's how it's supposed to be. I don't want to know, well, tell me how you got yeah. involved in the movement. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm just, mm -hmm. no, mm -hmm. get out of here. If those are your <laughs> questions, I'm Cesar Chavez. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here because my people are on the campesinos in a swel sweltering heat, working like true slaves under these plantation owners, and you're going to help us, right? And they came forward. Nobody wants, you know, the question was, how can I help? How can I help? People were signing up like crazy, as I did. I work with farm workers' support. So that's what we're looking for, is the culture of participation, the culture of joining. We have a real campaign for no cars in LA, and we mean it, and free public transportation. The amount of emissions coming out of LA that are directly causing uh, drought and flood in sub-Saharan Africa. This is a direct causation between the auto capital of the world and the genocide capital of the world that's imp you know been imposed by the Western powers. These emissions, it's not like even smog that hits the you know. There's a general warming of the of the ozone of the climate, and that general warming comes down on the whole planet, and it comes down unfortunately worse than Antarctica and worse than sub-Saharan. We don't get nearly as much of the punishment as we're inflicting on the world. So come and join the no cars in LA free public transportation because right now it's charging $100 a month to ride the MTA trains and buses, which are increasingly only going to tourist places, only going for a gentrification agenda. And we have people being arrested on the trains and ticketed on the trains for the horrible crime of fair evasion. All it means is not having the money to buy the ticket. And now I want to relate this to the demand around immediate hiring of black people for 50% of all public and private sector jobs now. Is that okay? And we're going to throw it back to the three comrades here. I've been doing a lot of thinking about this for too long. The concept is very simple. The 
murders and crimes inflicted on the black community are more than 50% of everything. So the least black people could do is get 50% of anything decent and left in this society. It's very specific. In 1970, there were 700,000 black people in Los Angeles City, city, which was 25% of the total population. Today, there's under 350,000 black people. Where did they go, says the white people? Well, let me tell you where they went. Some are in prison. Many lost their jobs in the industrial factories that were doing very well at the time I worked at GMB and I's. Many have been so harassed and beaten and harassed and in and out of jail and with fines and tickets like from the MTA. If you keep giving someone a ticket and giving somebody a ticket, there's a demoralization that says, I'm not wanted here. I mean, and then I don't have a ticket. I use my girlfriend's ticket or my wife's ticket. And then I get on there and they make it like a crime because I don't have the money. Eventually, I do get evicted. I do get foreclosed upon. If I have a house, I can't even make the house payments. I lost my job. I have sciatica. Eventually, I have to move down south, not the wonderful south, because maybe, maybe, maybe my aunt or grandmother still has a small piece of land that I can stay on without a job. Or I go out to such wonderful places as Palmdale in the middle of a desert because the housing is less expensive there. But whatever happened to black power? Whatever happened to black concentration? When black people had Harlem, we had New York. And when I say we, I'm a Jew, but when we in the civil rights movement had Harlem. We had Watts. We had South Central. We had Detroit. We had Philly. We had Houston. We had power. And they realized that. And as Sharon was telling us about the power report, when they did all these things to dismantle our movement, the biggest thing they wanted to dismantle is black concentration because they felt that black people are the ones who have fought for Latinos, fought for Jews, fought for gays, fought for the, the uh, women's movement, and many were in the women's movement. Black people, if you ask the American Indian movement, they say, I was so influenced by the Black Panthers. If you ask people in the Brown Berets, they say, I owe it all to Malcolm X or even Martin Luther King. You ask most white people, ask a lot of women, how did you get involved in the movement? Well, I got involved in the civil rights movement, and I fought for the, and I heard about the Vietnamese National Liberation Front. I said, well, why don't we form a women's liberation front? Other people said, why don't we form a queer liberation front? So black people and Vietnamese people pay the price for all of us, and now they're paying the price in a punitive, regressive, genocidal counterattack by the system. So what do we do about it? At the Strategy Center, that's the only question I think about. And here's one answer. 50% of all new jobs in every position must go to black people. It's a quota. It's a good word, a quota. I say to a lot of our Latino and Latinx listeners in particular, we know that employers are seeking more Latino workers and expelling or not even hiring black workers anymore. There is a perception among some employers that they don't want to hire black people because they perceive black people as being too independent. That's it. Too independent, more prone to unions, more trouble, but not if you treat people decently. Not at all if you treat people fairly. So I have actually gone to, 
I'm going to say it. I'm allowed to say it. I've gone to Gus's Chicken. Here I say it. On Pico and Crenshaw. And I walk in there, and there's not one black person working in a fried chicken place on, in, on Crenshaw. There are Latinos working there. There are whites working there. I have nothing against the people working there, but I'm going to go and talk to the head of Gus's Chicken, which I'm starting to do right now, and say, <laughs> as a customer, when I bring my black grandson in and we eat at your place, we need to see black people working here, or we're not going to work here. But more than that, we got an idea that Sharon's going to tell us in a minute uh, <laughs> that we dreamed up today. But it's a serious demand, and I think that Latinos... Asian Pacific Islanders, white people could get behind this demand because check this out. What percentage of the black of the people in Los Angeles are homeless who are black? Over 50%. What percentage of the people who are getting tickets on the MTA are black? Over 50%. What percentage of the black population has been destroyed by the policies of this city and this country? More than 50%. So you guys are good at the number 50% when it comes to attacking black people. So we came up with the number 50% to say we want these jobs for black people now, and we mean it. And we're going to be doing more work on this. This is our first trial run. If you're interested, write to Channing at thestrategycenter.org. Write to Eric at Voices from the Frontline to say I'm interested in the Black Affirmative Action Campaign. How do we get involved? And by the time we get to the Left Coast Forum, we're going to get this idea a little bit more refined, but we're proud to put it out now. We don't know how to do it yet, but trust us, I'm not putting something out that I don't plan to do. So we're very serious about this, and this is the kind of, back to Dick's point, when you come to our workshop and to our panel, say, I want to get involved in, in some of these campaigns for free public transportation and to demand black jobs now. Now, Sharon had, and as we, the, the, four, the five of us do some brainstorming, you're going to, this is we're doing our out-of-town trial. Why don't you tell us the idea you came up with? So the idea, the idea I came up with was um, sort of uh, the genesis of it was about like, maybe 20 years or so ago in, in the city of Los Angeles in restaurants, there was a, a newscaster who went into a restaurant and he started uh, checking them for cleanliness in the kitchen. And then that led to the rankings that all restaurants, not just in, in Los Angeles County, um, I've, I've seen it in other cities, New York, Houston. So now... If you go to a restaurant, in the front, they have a ranking, an A, a B, a C. I've never seen a D. But generally, <laughs> oh, you've seen a D. But if there's a C, I generally don't go to that restaurant. Right. So I was thinking, you know, we need a ranking to see how do these people hire. Do Are they supporting a diverse workforce? I think that a lot of the discriminatory practices that we see, if they were brought to light, yes. we'd have more of an opportunity to address them. So I think we should have a campaign very similar to the way that the clean kitchen, we have one clean hiring practices. You heard it on Voices from the Frontlines. You heard two campaigns that are real initiated here, and we're going to do it. And I'll tell you one more thing and go to Channing. The cool thing about organizing is my friend Robin D.G. Kelly, or more importantly my friend, one of the great, truly great uh, professors, writers in the United States, he wrote a book called Race Rebels. And in that book, it's called Everyday Acts of Resistance. And did you know 
that long before Rosa Parks, black people did not sit in the back of the bus. There were, he documented thousands of cases in Montgomery, thousands. He went into the record. Robin is a very uh, meticulous scholar. Oh, yes, yes. And he, he went into the, somehow he got the records of the Montgomery bus company. And they say on such and such a date, an, an uppity Negro <laughs> chose to sit in the front. The, uh, a gun was pulled on him. He was serious. He was asked to leave. Uh, he was arrested. On such and such a day, another Negro passenger yelled at the driver and refused to go. So my point is, we can start this campaign with three restaurants, with three employers. Not to, And we don't want to just go after restaurants, by the way. We might want to go after some big employers. We might want to look at some government agencies. So I don't want to just pick on you know, people that got three employees. But the concept that Sharon's saying of a rating that you are going to see everybody's going to be rated on racial equality and in particular, I'm going to say, on black racial equality right now, which I think is the cutting-edge question, you can go out and start tomorrow. I mean, I'll be honest. We're going to sit down and we can just do a little pilot project <laughs> and see how it goes. That's right. right? And, and, and I wanted to say something and about— And I like the big letters. I love that. You know, Real that big letter. Big you, you could see it a mile away. <laughs> but one thing that I want to talk about why it's important to, to focus on what's happening with black people. Yes. And uh, this isn't an idea that's new for me. I read a book written by Lonnie Guineer. Yes. And those of you that don't know Lonnie Guineer, she was— uh, nominated to be um, associate um, attorney, uh, attorney general under Clinton, and then um, Bill and Hillary threw her under the bus because she had written some things that were considered controversial, but they weren't controversial. But anyway, Lonnie Guineer wrote a fabulous book uh, called The Coal Miner's Canary, right. and she talks about how black people in America are sort of like the canary to the coal miners. Coal miners would take a canary into the coal mine with them, and that would let them know if the conditions inside the coal mine could kill them or not because the, the gases didn't have an odor. If they saw the canary had died, that meant they had like 15 minutes to get out. They had to get out themselves. Well, black people kind of serve the, in that function in the United States. If you look at the foreclosure meltdown in 2008, if you had just looked two years before and saw what was happening to the average black family, you would have had a warning. And that's been the case in many other areas. In any industry you look at, whether you're looking at education or health care or housing or any of them, look at the condition of black people, and that will eventually become the condition for everybody else. So Channing, wow. in, in your new role, in your growing role as an organizer, where do you take this? Um, well, first, that's hard to follow. <laughs> that, that, and it's so true, Anne. Um, I'm actually glad that you, you know, uh, mentioned Robin Kelly because I was reading the introduction to Hammer and Ho yesterday, the newest introduction. That and tell us what Hammer and Ho is. Hammer and Ho is a story about black communists in Alabama, right? And Robin Kelly, and he's very good at this. He's very good at going and finding records. And just the role of history is right. so important because you can come out and say, I have my receipts mm -hmm. and you're wrong. <laughs> Um, and so even just in the introduction, it talks about, you know, just the hopefulness of the black struggle and what that can mean even in today's struggle. And he's, you know, really trying to employ young folks and movements of today to look at history as an example because they're doing the same thing that they've always done in the United States. They're always trying to divide people. They're always going against black people. 
And, you know, this is just a manuscript, if you will, to study, you know, the master's tools in some way. And how do you defeat the master's tools? Um, and so that's sort of where I take it is I take it to, you know, you know, starting starting with strategy and so on, figuring out how do we, you know, educate ourselves on the histories and then be able to take on this, um, you know, situation. Um, I like your idea about the 50% because it does talk about the historic fight about reparations, right? And, you know, what you're saying is they know what 50% is and we demand 50% more black people come back into L.A., Whereas in every other, every major city, they're pushing black people out, right? And, you know, the other reason why I like that is that the left doesn't, you know, in the history has, the left has been very visionary and very, right. you know, expansive in their demands. And lately, I don't think that we've been that visionary. And so the idea of then taking on a whole system and having a really visionary demand, for me, gets me excited at least. Well, the thing you're saying about the young people that we're working with getting excited and you getting excited and me getting excited, I mean, I have to feel some sense of real, you know, we were discussing today, Dick, again. The more visionary the demand, the more excited I get about doing it, you know what I mean? Because just saying it, putting it in the face of the system, just saying it feels good. And I don't mean just feeling good for the hell of it. It means then from there you can build a campaign around it. Uh, so I had two thoughts. One is that uh, you've been reading, Channing, you've been reading both Harry Haywood's book called Black Bolshevik, and now you're reading uh, Robin Kelly's book, Hammer and Hole, about black communists also in, in the 30s. Why are you moving towards, uh, of your own choice, towards discussing black and reading about black communism? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> well I'm, I mean... Well, the obvious answer is I'm a communist. I'm studying to be a communist. Okay. But That's a good answer. <laughs> other than the obvious answer, I think communism, from what I've read, has proven to be one of the best organizers in history. And it's been, you know, the only other system that has really taken on the United States government and United States imperialism in a real way. Um, and, you know, the thing that you learn in Black Bolshevik is that black people actually had a country that was equal to and separate from the United States, helping them to basically fight the imperialist, racist wars of the United States, right? So one thing I was reading in Robin Kelly's book yesterday is that, you know, during the whole Scottsboro Boys case, they had people in Russia, they had people in China, they had people all over South Africa and in the Central America basically taking on Alabama, for the Scottsboro exactly boy, right. Right. That's right? And that's such, you know, I don't, I, I kind of get a hint of that in Harry Haybook's, um, Harry Haywood's book, but, you know, uh, Robin Kelly really puts the poignant on that and, you know, just puts it into perspective that we don't really have that today, a whole unified world movement against the United States. And I think communists is our best hope for rebuilding that. Well, you'll be listening to that at the back at the Left Coast Forum because I think you can see uh, from Dick and Chan and Channing myself and now Barbara Lott Holland and others working on it, we have an expansive view that allows a lot of expansive views. I mean, uh, I have never been a great fan of Marianne Williamson. I haven't. But now I am because she's been putting out some great stuff. How's that? I changed my mind by watching somebody in practice. And the stuff she said about reparations... The thing she said about, look, 
The issue is how deep, dark, and sick this country is. That's the issue. It's not, you know, Medicare. Of course it's that. This is a sick country. And she said that. And I think that's what we're going to do with the left forum is say, you know, like uh, Harry Belafonte said, uh, he says, me and Dr. King figured out we were all fighting for integration. Then we said, why do we want to integrate into a burning building? <laughs> These people are crazy. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so so, uh, so I think the Left Coast Forum is going to be a place. If this sounds like someplace you want to be, if you want to listen to our conversation, it's going to be a conversation. If you want to listen to new ideas that we're all percolating, we don't know. We're just trying to think out loud and think something interesting. Uh, I think it's going to be great. So, let, Sharon, I just want you to focus for a minute on the hows, whens, and whys, and then we'll go to Dick and Sharon for some tie-ups. So let's go back to the dates. Okay, so it's October 11th, 12th, and 13th. That's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, starting Friday evening at 6 p.m. at Occidental College, 1600 Campus Road in Los Angeles. From 6 to 9 on Friday, we'll be gathering, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about who's opening the Good, program please, on please, Friday. Please, That's um, Dominique de Prima, oh, she's who great. Um, is Amazing. a uh, KJLH uh, radio uh, person and has her show there. And so she's going to be opening up on Friday night. And our other keynote, so we have uh, six keynote speakers, and then we have the big plenary with... Um, <laughs> with Channing and, and with Eric and several other people. But we also have six keynote speakers, and they are Dominique de Prima, Lisa Bloom, who is a civil rights attorney, um, Melina Abdullah, who most of us know with Black Lives Matter LA. Who is great. Uh-huh. Mario Solis Marich, who is a political consultant, a TV radio personality, and very engaged in the immigration issue. Um, Sonali Kolhatkar, who is a KPFK, uh, she has an uprising with Sonali. At 4 o'clock, just following us today. And let's see, did I forget anybody? You got it. I got them all. Okay. And so that's No, no, and Marianne Williamson. And Marianne Williamson. Who's the last one. Who um, is, um, we know she's a presidential candidate, but she's going to really be talking about her position on reparations and the centrality of race. And so her, her discussion great. talks a lot about what, what, what Eric is saying is we have to get beyond politics and talk about what is causing some, so many of the problems in this country. Yeah, yeah. Kind of I wanted to say, please. you know, a lot of our conversation here uh, revolved around the centrality of race, which is kind of the, the call word for L.A. Progressive and Left Coast Forum. I mean, and the strategy a, a, a lot of us talk about uh, income inequality now. It's right. kind of the big buzzword, but you don't have to pull the covers back very far and see that income inequality really falls heavily, heaviest on, right. on black people. You say, well, why don't we have universal health care like every other developed country in the world? One of the reasons is the dominant white culture does not want to be paying its taxes so black people can go get health care. That's exactly right. And, and you mentioned uh, uh, what we're doing with abortions and how nobody can get abortions. Now, well, that's not exactly true. People with money can send their daughters off to that's New York exactly or right. Toronto or Vancouver, and they'll get abortions that they need. But you, have, you get a 17-year-old black girl in Alabama pregnant, and she's SOL. That's right. right. So that's why uh, that's and, and that is really uh, uh, Sharon's been pounding on me about this forever. But I'm coming to see that really this is the the rot at the heart of America, our unwillingness to step up and face up to our our 
deep-rooted racism. I've been working, I'm working on a book, it's called uh, In Search of the Revolution, uh, The Journey of a Movement Organizer, and it's a historical treatment of my life, but it's not about my life, it really isn't, although I'm in it a lot. It's uh, a history of the United States since, let's say, World War II into the present, and um, this chapter's on the Congress of Racial Equality, this chapter's on the Students for Democratic Society. But my first section is called 1492. Mm -hmm. And that section says that in 1492, the barbaric Christian white Spanish expelled the Moors from Spain, started the Inquisition against the Jews, and brought genocide to the continent of the Americas where 100 million of the most civilized, advanced human beings had lived in isolation, thank God, from these sick Europeans for 14,000 years and had built a far more advanced civilization with hygiene. Go read the book, uh, Indigenous People's History of the United States by... Uh, I have it. Yeah, by uh, Roxanne yeah, Dunbar, Dunbar Ortiz. Yeah. Got to read that book. My point is... Everything goes back to 1492. This country was built on genocide. Everything is racial. The centrality of race says, you, of course there's class. Let's talk about, uh, Amy Goodman had a good point the other night. She was talking about the relationship of misogyny and racism. She said that, did you know that almost all these guys, white guys, who go out and kill people, first have been beating the hell out of their wife, mm -hmm. their right. mother, mm -hmm. their children, mm -hmm. uh, are mm -hmm. insane yes. misogynists and yes. racists. Yes. So right. it's not like race negates other things. Race explains other mm -hmm. things. Right. So in fact, you can have a better caring about women through a racial lens of the, you know, as you said, that, it's, that black... It's intersectionality. You know, it's, 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 but intersectionality, but I would say with race driving yes, as race absolutely. as the driver of the other intersectionalities, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Right. But here's the thing. One more thing, we'll go back. You don't have to agree with all this. The point is, don't you want to have this conversation? Right. Don't you want to come to the Left Coast Forum and get involved? Because let me tell you, we're going to out you. If you, <laughs> if you don't do anything, you, you're going to be in big trouble. So you've got to come forward for every panel. You do. At least get a flyer. Give a dollar. Say, hey, I'm at the ACLU panel. I think I want to do more maybe on the Strategy Center panel or at the Strategy Center panel. I'd rather do more on this panel. But you're going to do something right. at every panel. I mean that because you can just sign a letter. You can. There's no reason you can't help every single group there. I do. And increasingly, I just want to say all these emails I'm getting, I'm starting to give more money. It's hard for me to, to say no when I know what it's like sending one out for my group and I say, oh, I can give 10 here. I can give 20 there. But I know what a yes feels like as opposed to a no. And a yes means a lot. So I say come right. to the Left Coast Forum and just say yes. How's that? <laughs> great. That's a great slogan. All right. Checkouts. Well, I'll go first. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so um, Left Coast Forum, October 11th, 12th, 13th at Occidental College, 1600 Campus Road in Los Angeles. Go to leftcoastforum.org and register to get a ticket. Hold on. Can 25 of you call right now, go online and do that? You know during the fund drives how great you are, <laughs> when I'm sp out, especially when I'm out here desperate and begging you. Uh, wouldn't it be cool if Dick and Sharon go back and actually see, because we're going to test, 
did this show generate drive stuff to the site? Please register. That's how we know if the show was worth doing. I'll be honest with you. We're not here to entertain you. We're here to get you to go to the Left Coast Forum. Dick. Well, I wanted to thank Eric and Channing and Barbara for stepping in in a big way. They stepped in last year, and this year they're like uh, partners on this or colleagues, full colleagues. Also, KPFK is 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 behind our effort here and the uh, outreach uh, department at Occidental College. So Sharon and I, um, we do work hard, but we wouldn't do it without the help of, of you folks. Is Mara still on? Can we get him on for one minute? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't looking at the phones. Morris, you, you always... Okay, Eric, how you feeling? Oh, good. Always great to hear from you, Morris. Hey, listen, if, uh, if people are of the opinion that the poor should have a voice or minorities should have a voice, and they support ideas like collective bargaining, then that would make all of us a communist, Eric. But listen, <laughs> I want to give you a shout-out to the Strategy Center. We got a movement going in Inglewood. It's called the Community benefitsagreement.com. Every resident, the first 100,000 residents that registers, you can go online and register, is going to get $25,000. The Rams, the Chargers, and the Clippers, they're going to pay for it. Because the gentrification <laughs> has wiped out the future of these young kids. Okay? And we're not looking for any support from any politicians because they would rather go to the donor class and get money for their campaigns than concern themselves with the masses. And in terms of our schools, instead of teaching Manifest Destiny, we got to start teaching the 1619 Project and the Doctrine of Discovery as written by Daniel and Paul. And that Manifest Destiny, I don't believe that the Lord God ordained murder and theft. Hey, thanks, Eric. Talk Thank you, Morris, as always. That was beautifully so, put. As also, um, people L- like the Community Benefits Agreement, they can table at the left coast, coast room. So you can just go up to participate, and there's a link for tabling. Go ahead. All right, so we have one minute left. So I just want to encourage folks to go to VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. Yes. You'll find all of the links, including a registration link to the Left Coast Forum. And to visit our SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash VoicesFromTheFrontlines and rate us and write a review of this show and take the show and share it and send it to 10 friends. Do that right now, please. Um, and to find us on Twitter and Facebook and send us a message and do everything that you can on Facebook. What Channing just said is real important about the SoundCloud ratings. It would mean a lot. Uh, Ricky Herrera, thank you so much, as always, for your help. Dick, Sharon, Channing, and me, I love all four of us a lot. And it's great to work together. We'll be doing the show a lot, by the way, between now and the Left Coast Forum. Uh, we're still going to be back talking to you every week. Take good care of yourselves. All power to the people. And more, much more than this, I did my way. Yes, regrets. I've had a few. But then again.